Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. We're back. Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Gruner, van der Sonder, drives it across, brilliant header, Viviana Miedemann. Lika Martins will pick up this loose ball, a little bit of a nudge in the back, Lika Martins, four for Barcelona. New Year, more upsets. Arsenal come unstuck at Birmingham, who pick up their first WSL win in 14 months. Also a first clean sheet, pretty mad. And we also run the rule over the January transfer window and wonder which players can make the difference for teams around Europe in 2022. And after an eventful Christmas, what does the future look like for Coventry United? Eventful Christmas. I feel like we all had somewhat eventful Christmases. Um, Rachel, how was your Christmas? I heard it was a pretty positive one. (laughs) I had had a lovely Christmas at home with my family. Um, And then New Year came, New Year knew me, and I resolved to be more positive by starting with a positive COVID test. (laughs) So January 1st was that's how I started my year. Um, but you know, I'll take the positives from that. That's it's out of the way now. And best time to get it when there's no WSL football on, so you're not missing any work. That, you're not well, missing any action. I had you know three games to cover at the weekend that I obviously couldn't do. But then, oh, you you weren't out by the weekend. I thought you were no, back out. No, I got I flew uh, back on Sunday. Oh, but God. they were, all the ones we were doing were called off, bar the one Sophie did. So actually, it, it turned out fine. Nice. Hmm. And you're feeling good. You're safe. You're well. That's the main thing. I am safe and well. I had my jab. Get boosted, guys. And uh, I was fine. It was just a bit of a bit of a head cold I'm over it good to hear I'm glad and your Christmas Chloe eventful oh phenomenal Christmas <laughs> spent it with one of the best <laughs> younger brother uh, because my entire family decided to come down with Covid on Christmas Day oh, so mate. what a gift but it was the first time that I cooked Christmas dinner 
and Whoa. no one died. So it went well then. I'm taking that as a win. What yeah. did you cook though? Yeah, I want to know. If um, it's pizza, then well, I've only got one oven, and I've never done it before. And there's a lot of things with timings and what yes. goes in mm-hmm. and how to get it out and whatever. So I just focused on the meat and potatoes Perfect. and uh, sacked off the carrots and uh, yeah. So no vegetables. It was a very beige Christmas in the Morgan household. It was very very beige, <laughs> but also it was the best bits. So I'm not even, best bits of beige. Not even sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was gorgeous. Well done, you. Thank you. Wow, well done. What about you, Flomantic? How was yours? It was great. Um, uh, was it great? Yeah, it was all right. It was just a strange one. I'm sure lots of people listening had a similar vibe. Just like, I think with the whole sort of race against time to not get COVID in the lead up to Christmas, which I, I managed not to do. I had COVID in November. I kind of managed to avoid the the squid game of, of, of not getting it before Christmas. But it just felt like it still wasn't a very fun Christmas because so many people did have COVID. Careful um, Christmas. And you sort of, even if you were with family, you had this sort of lingering thing in the background, like looking around the room thinking, which of us might have COVID did you right just now? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a bit strange. Mm. My brother's over from the States, so he's kind of panicked about getting COVID. Um, so far, so good. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it was a weird one. It was a weird one all round. Um, and now here we are in 2022 and... We're another year into this biggest year world. of football in England for you know women's 100%, football in England. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'm, that's exciting, I suppose. I'm looking forward to the next couple of months, and I think what bodes well is first weekend of WSL action kind of started off with a bang. Oh yes, because we were. I, I looked at the fixture list that remained and thought, oh, it's not, it's not very exciting, is it? Um, but actually, I was at Birmingham City Arsenal on the weekend, and that bought loads and loads of drama um and unfortunately i know birmingham city fans might listen to this and and think it's a bit of an insult but on the train up i'd kind of like pre-written a piece all about birmingham on the assumption that they were going to lose that game which i think most of their fans you're the reason and most people would have thought they were and i had to completely rewrite the whole thing basically actually start again and bin that and write a piece about how bad Arsenal were and how good Birmingham were and how Arsenal seemingly are potentially in a bit of a crisis since that FA Cup final. They've lost four out of five games in all competitions. And I think for me, the biggest thing I took away from that game on Sunday is they are not playing like a team. They are massively playing like individuals. And I think Jonas Edeval sort of hinted at that afterwards, talking about players walking, not playing together as a unit, not doing what they've done so well this season. Morale looked shockingly low. Players looked miserable. And that, to me, is a sign of a lot of problems in the camp. So, yeah, it's an interesting one going forward. But Birmingham, what a performance from start to finish. That's probably the biggest thing is, yes, Arsenal played really badly. But Birmingham played really well. And I think half of the reason Arsenal played so badly was because Birmingham were playing so well, because they pressed so well. Everybody knew their job. Everybody knew exactly what they had to do. Bodies on the line. So it wasn't like a smash and grab. It no, was a it was fully really good. Dessert. You look at those stats. Birmingham had significantly less possession. And Arsenal, I think, had two shots on target and, and Birmingham had seven. So, you know, they did really, really well with the ball when they had the ball. And when they didn't have the ball, they made life very, very difficult for Arsenal. And I think, I think the... You know, they've always been a team, they have always been a team that will put their bodies on the line for each other and that will do absolutely everything for each other. And I think what Carter and, and Bignett have maybe brought into them, into this team, is is a belief. Like, they, they've given them that kind of, not only do we know that you're going to go out there and work hard, but, like, you can actually go out there and, and win games. And I think that was really evident against Arsenal. I thought maybe the game against Man City, when they played really well, I know they lost, but they played well, could have just been the new manager bounce. Um, but actually, I think their performances have been, I know they lost against Leicester, but they have consistently improved, which I think is probably really important. And scalping a team like Arsenal is going to do wonders for the confidence because now it's no longer about who wins between Birmingham and Leicester. Now it's kind of any team. Any team could potentially um, be be beaten. So I think it's huge. And I think it makes the um, relegation battle very, very exciting. I think what's also great, sorry, just to jump in, Chloe, is talk about Carter and Bignall and what they've done to block out the noise. Noise from people like myself basically saying, well, they're dead set to go down, so don't even bother. And also the noise about everything that's going on at the club at the moment and what's been going on for the past year, which as a player must be really hard to ignore, but how they've managed to basically just focus as a group and say it's about us, it's about the matches, it's about the games, not about anyone else, is really impressive. 
because that takes a lot of skill to be able to bring people together and block out all of that. But I think it's the, they've always got an advantage in a way because I think the pressure is off them. I think, you know, like you said, you're going up there on the train expecting that it's going to be an absolute Arsenal show. And I think even the commentators were saying, you know, this is a big task for Birmingham. Not sure how they're going to fare here. Arsenal are pretty much going to walk away with the points. And that was before we'd even got the, the kickoff started. So and I think it, it sort of helps the players in a way, kind of, you know, you, you take that pressure off. You're not expected to do anything. You're expected realistically to kind of lose that game when you're playing someone like Arsenal. And so the players have a little bit more freedom, I think, of expression just to go into the game thinking, do you know what? Why the hell not? We're the underdogs here. Let's do what we can. And I think, you know, they started on the front foot. I mean, getting two goals within the, within the first half, no one was expecting that. And I think, you know, normally you'd say, OK, well, Arsenal are probably going to come out in the second half and absolutely hammer home, you know, three goals and just finish this thing off. But, you know, they were so resolute. They were so, like you were saying, they were so together. They were so, you know, focused as a team, so cohesive that they wanted to get, you know, they wanted to protect that lead. And, and they did. And, and credit to them. It definitely wasn't a smash and grab. It was a fantastic performance. Arsenal had tons of time, tons of time to even just rescue a point. And mm-hmm. they showed nothing. And I wrote in my piece about... I don't, it's hard not to over-egg it, but it does seem like the absence of Leah Williamson and when she picked up that injury at Spurs, not just the ability as a defender because Jem Beattie has not been great the last couple of games and the partnership now is completely broken. You know, they've worked with Lotta Wamamoy in that position. I think Leah Volti's played some time there and then we saw Simone Boy on Sunday and it was terrible. But it's actually just the leadership that she brings. Obviously, Kim Little wears the armband, but there's that personality, there's that vocalness, there's that that energy and that leadership that Williamson brings, especially to the back line, which seems completely absent now. Yeah, and I think we've seen that in other top teams as well. It's a problem if you're so reliant on one player. And not only like, yes, obviously she's a very, very good player, but you see that with Chelsea when Magda Eriksson's out, the team kind of crumbled a little bit last season. And you shouldn't with the with the depth that these squads have they shouldn't be it shouldn't be like that it shouldn't be like jenga where you pull out the wrong piece and the whole thing collapses you know you've got so many other pieces in there they should be able to manage without her i kind of had a think about this when i saw saw the result um about arsenal and what's happened and i think they obviously started the season on a big high you know you had a number of players coming back from the olympics confident i know the ne- the netherlands didn't do as well as they wanted but God, Viv had a pretty good uh, tournament. So you players like that coming back confident. You had the new manager bounce, I think, probably came at the perfect time playing a team like Chelsea. So scalping them early on in the in the league was huge. They went on to beat Man City. For me, the confidence then was knocked when they got absolutely schooled by Barcelona in October. And I think in the future performances, I know they still won games, but there were signs, there were things there that you were a bit like, mm, you know, that's not working the way it normally is. They're not controlling the matches maybe the way they normally would. Then the Williamson knock and the draw against Spurs and that kind of seems to have derailed them a little bit. Their confidence has been knocked. And I know we talk a lot about big teams having confidence, but big teams, when they get their confidence knocked, it hits them the same way it hits other teams, you know. And maybe the fact that they're not, they've not been losing together they're they're kind of they're they're not able to find solutions to problems at the moment because they haven't really had to deal with them as much. So for me, I wonder if Jonas Eideville was really annoyed about the fact that the Brighton game was postponed. And part of me wonders, was he hoping to get a win in under his belt before that half of the season ended to change the kind of mindset going into the Christmas break? It didn't happen. They went in off the back of a horrific Hoffenheim performance and have kind of picked up where they left off. So it's and a it was job. a long break as well and they mm. didn't come back in. I know they had some COVID cases over Christmas but they didn't come back in until like the 2nd of January and you had teams like Leicester and Reading coming in on the sort of 28th, 29th. I think Birmingham probably came in at the, that time as well. So there wasn't a lot of time. They're missing a few players as well who are in the Australian squad for the Asia Cup. Iwabuchi will be going out there as well. So it's it's weird time and you look at look at what they need to do now. And they haven't got a lot of time to bounce back. They've got a Conti Cup quarterfinal against United. They're going to be playing City soon. Then they've got the huge game against Chelsea on the 13th of Feb. They've got quarterfinal in the Champions League in March against Wolfsburg. They need to rescue something quite quickly. Probably going to bring in a defender this window. Maybe bring in Sina Baxenius up front. We'll touch on that, what that means for Miedemar. But... I mean, Chloe, what do you think they need to do now to regroup and and just find some form again? I think it, it's so important, I think, to sort of stop the flow. I think once you get into this kind of losing mentality, and it doesn't matter whether you're at elite level or grassroots level, once you get into losing the mentality, it's very 
easy just to continue to go downhill until you start to hit rock bottom. And I think, you know, for a team like Arsenal, there was so so, so much expectation from them at the start of the league and they started off on such a good foot. But I think now what they need to do is just sort of, it's almost like cut, you know, cut the loss now, you know, start again. There needs to be this kind of refreshing moment that you think, okay, yeah, we've had a bit of a shit show, but it stops now. And I think, you know, you're saying there's a couple of players out and maybe, you know, COVID's been affecting the squad and things like that, but you've still got some big names there. You've got the Miedemars, you've got the Little. And I think, you know, even when you're looking at some of the chances that Miedemar was still creating and you could see the frustration from Miedemar. And I, you know, when I look at the kind of performance that, that she had, I think she seems to be one of the only players who was really giving some kind of effort above the other players. And um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. To, but I think you need to group around each other. You need to get hold of each other and start saying, you know, it was bad, but let's not make this continue because you're going to slowly start to slip down down the league table and you can't be affording to give up points against Birmingham. That's just not okay. I think as well, one game at a time, and I know that sounds cliche because that's always what managers say, but you touched on all of the, the big fixtures coming up, all of the various different competitions that they're still in. They can't actually really afford to think about that. They can't afford to think about a big game against Chelsea in February or the fact they're playing Man City soon. They just need to focus on the next game. The next game being Conti Cup, after that game, then they focus on Reading, I think they're facing this weekend. I just don't think they can afford to look beyond. And I know that's hard and they probably are. But I think when you're trying to stop, like you say, this kind of slide, it's just about the next game and getting a win. Circle back to Birmingham, though, quickly. Um, I'm obviously eating my words because I gave them no chance of hell, especially after that Leicester City win uh, at just before the break Leicester City beating Birmingham 2-0 I thought that was Birmingham done I thought that was kind of you know they're going to crumble now we've got a serious relegation battle now on our hands again and do you guys think that Birmingham are now favourites in that fight because it seems like they've got the not only the the sort of motivation and the team spirit but they're playing really good football as well yeah, I mean, it does make it much more exciting because it does feel a bit like if they can beat Arsenal, they can they can beat anyone. But then you do have to look at the fact that Arsenal were an absolute shambles. But you're right, Birmingham did play. They play well. They're playing a really nice style of football. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see who comes in in the transfer window and whether Leicester strengthen. Um, I know they've brought in a couple, but... They're I've, very young, sort yeah. of like up-and-coming players, not necessarily someone you'd look at, you know, like a Louise Quinn, like someone with loads of experience. You think these are the sort of players that can get you out of a fight like this. Yeah, but what I think Leicester are missing, and we see it in a lot of their results, is uh, a finisher. Um, and I know they have strikers, but I think bringing in someone who, like you say, is has that experience, um, that's what I feel is missing in some of their results. And we've seen them, you know, 1-0 to Reading. I know they pressed them hard in the second half. They lost last gasp uh, winner from Brighton. You know, so they're on the cusp as well. So I think it is going to, I think what will be a change or what could change things for them is who they potentially bring into the transfer window. And then, you know, it will be a real battle between them and Birmingham. I agree. I mean, I don't think Birmingham is safe by any means. I think it's going to come down to exactly how it has been for the last few seasons, where it is just that point. It's that last game of the of the last game of the season. Um, and, you know, it's so, it's already so tight with Villa and Leicester there. And, uh, you know, Birmingham have had their struggles. They've always kind of been in the last, you know, couple of spaces um, battling off relegation and, and they've they've fought it off every single time. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same again. But I think, you know, what we need to see now is what's going to happen with Birmingham in the next game. Is this just going to be a flash in the pan or is this going to be a consistent thing? They start to think, you know what, actually, we might have a chance here of even sort of pushing ourselves further up the table and getting out of, you know, the danger zone. But you know, it'll be interesting for Leicester because I think they, they've just not found form. And I think everyone was expecting so much more from them this season because they seem to have big backing. There was loads of promo. They'd sort of been in, brought in a few players. But I kind of think that they've not... I, I don't think they were ready really to go into the WSL as I think we all thought they would be. I don't think they had that great a recruitment session in summer to kind of have that really strong WSL experience and those big characters to kind of, you know, really see out that first difficult, tumultuous first season. So I think they're the ones that, that I'm slightly more more concerned about. And I think it would be, I mean, it'd be interesting because I think that'll be the first time that you've ever had a championship club go up and go down in the first, in, in the first season. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to go down to the wire. And Birmingham once again, and Smith's in there too. And it's number two for Birmingham City. And it's Christy Murray with a goal. Wow, what a game.
Um, folks, quickly on, on Vivian Miedemar, reports that she is interested, you know, there's interest there from Barcelona and PSG, which isn't surprising. She's obviously out of contract in the summer, as is Williamson. The rumours that Sina Blackstenius is potentially going to be revealed this week as, a, as an, an Arsenal player would probably, to me, signal that Miedemar is leaving in the summer with Blackstenius brought in as her replacement because with the number of clubs that were also interested in Blackstenius, you'd think she would go to Arsenal on the assumption she's going to be a starter there with the name like she has. So where do where do Arsenal go from here in terms of Miedemar? Because that's going to be a huge, huge you know person to fill on your team, even with the likes of Blackstenius coming in. And also for the remainder of the season now, if you've got a player who's potentially sort of like one foot out the door, knows they're not going to sign a contract, you know, how, do you play her? Do you not play her? You've got to play her, but at the same time, it just feels like the team is so disjointed right now. I would slightly disagree, and maybe it's because I just really want Viv Miedema to stay in the WSL. But in a recent article um, written by Tom Gary at The Telegraph, um, she said that obviously she hasn't ruled out staying at Arsenal. So there's not actually been any negotiations yet. She hasn't got, they haven't come to her with uh, an offer yet. But she said that she wants the club to show greater ambition for silverware by signing players that can help them win sports' biggest prizes. That means bringing in top players. It doesn't mean keeping her as one but of didn't the didn't they do strikers. that? Over, didn't they do that over the summer? Was that what with Licky de Paris? Well, Paris Heath Iwabuchi. Heath was never long term, though. I think. You know, I think it's it's not just that. I think I know the squad has depth now, but we're seeing that 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 isn't actually providing much at the moment. That depth, um, with players being out injured. So for me, I don't think it's, I don't think it immediately signals that she's out. Um, I think it could be a good thing. You could we could see a really great pairing up with the two of them. You don't know. Um, and I also think with a player like her, despite whether she's leaving at the end of the season or not, will be a hundred percent focused on the pitch. I know. People like to talk about how, you know, she doesn't like training and stuff like that. But, you know, from the pictures, from everything that's going on on her social media, their social media, she seems pretty happy and pretty focused. And I think she will remain like that until the end of the season, whether whether she stays or not. I think maybe a big focus is going to be on how things go from now until the end of the season. I think, you know, if you start to see similar performances to, to Sunday um, happening more regularly, I can see Miedemar sort of saying, OK, well, maybe now... I think the right there's a visible frustration, not about her not trying, because I think professional footballers nine times out of ten will always try because they're professional athletes. It's more a visible frustration, like you said, of wanting to play at a level and feeling like your teammates aren't matching that with you. Mm -hmm. Because I think so many times in games this season, and I know it is typical Miedemar, it's why we love her, but there's a lot of hands in the air, especially on Sunday against Birmingham. She's very dramatic, very expressive. Yeah, a lot of hands on the air turning around saying fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I saw that. I mean, there was a chance, you know, she had that pullback. I think it was the it was one of the chances that she had in the second half. And it was a, a great pullback. Kim Little, it was pretty much straight at the keeper, but it was still a great save. And you, and you could see her just throwing her hands, flailing. And I think, yes, you want the drama, but also it's, it's slightly unprofessional because I think it just, it's so evident that you're frustrated and miserable and upset with how the team are doing. And sometimes you just need to get behind them. But I think, like I said, if I think you start to see more and more performances like that, where she starts to feel that actually I'm at this level, the team aren't operating at this level because of X, Y and Z reasons, I, I could see her departing. Yeah, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. What do you guys think the top WSL sides need to do in this window? Chelsea have already signed one player, Russian left back Alsu Abdelina. Very young player, I think, and a bit like Anik Nguyen. Probably won't start a whole bunch of the games, but one for the future. Yeah, what what do you think these sides need to do in order to kind of ensure they have enough depth going forward? COVID isn't out the window yet, so you know we've already seen it cause a few cancellations and issues in squads. Asia Cup means a lot of clubs are missing players. Arsenal still in the Champions League, Chelsea not in the Champions League, but we've got Conti Cup, we've got FA Cup, um, and we've got a very tense title race. So... Chelsea are going to be without Sam Kerr and Jisoo Young, which is is massive, especially for Kerr. So what do you think they need to do in this window? I think Chelsea are okay depth-wise um, for those two positions. I think I still think they need to bring in more defence, um, like more experienced defenders, um, because that has definitely been their Achilles heel this season. And I mean, I'm pretty sure Mark Derrickson's injured, even though no one will say it out loud. 
Um, but Emma she did, Hayes and her mystery injuries. <laughs> but she did uh, pick up a knock in the Wolfsburg game and has been pretty absent on most of Chelsea's social media and stuff, which is generally a big tell, by the way, guys. Um, so I think, yeah, bringing in more experienced defence is going to be key. Uh, you are going to have players sat on the bench, I know, but um, that kind of depth, it's great having young players, but realistically, you need to have players who know that position and are comfortable in those positions and not kind of put in there for a couple of games to fill a gap. Um, so for me, that's where Chelsea's biggest weakness is, is, is in defence at the moment and, and the depth of their defence. United did want Black Stenius. Seems like she's going to go to Arsenal. That's a big loss for Manchester United because that could have been a season-defining player that you could bring in and could get them closer to the Champions League, could finally get them into Europe. But they're really lacking that, especially if Alicia Russo heads to the end of Bissell, which it looks like she might do link up with Casey Stoney. That's a lot of goals and attacking play and threat to go out your side. And it feels like Man United are slowly but surely becoming sort of like Ella Toon FC. And that's about it. A lot of reliance on her. Massively. I think, um, you know, a sign like that would bring in a lot of firepower for Man United. And, you know, you can't rely on someone like Ella Toon. I mean, she's been absolutely phenomenal, but she's also young. And I think she also needs to have, you know, the competition, the challenge of people coming in and really challenging her to push on to that next level. So, you know, that'd be great for them to have that signing. But I think if it's between Man United and Arsenal at the moment, although saying that if Arsenal aren't struggling to find form a little bit, and I'd be a little bit concerned if I was Blackstenius looking to sign Arsenal or looking to sign for Arsenal and then they, they lose to Birmingham. I'd be um yeah you might be you might be changing your phone. mind maybe tearing up that contract. I also think I mean she was linked to Spurs as well, which I think another team a bit like Manchester United that need goals because they don't score a lot of goals. They've played well and they've had a good season so far. But like Brighton, we see when the goals dry up, it really you really get punished. Brighton have lost their last three games and slipped now. I think they're in seventh in the table and it, they started the season so well. We're in third at one point. So without that you know consistent goal scorer. You know, it's really hard to to sustain the momentum that you have. Um, kind of looking elsewhere as well, we've seen Leon really sort of try and fight back after losing the league title to PSG. They kind of thought, nah, we're not. That's not happening again. Strengthened in the summer, Enler, Brun, Daniel van der Donk. Do you guys think they have a a strong chance at trying to pip Barcelona to the Champions League crown this season? I think they'll still go far in the competition. I'm still not sure there's anyone out there who has figured out how to beat Barcelona yet. I agree. There's literally nothing I could add. You, you've summed it up perfectly. I <laughs> it thought is Barcelona weird, isn't it? is it's just like, the supernova of the Champions League. Do you think? Do you think clubs need to sort of like come come together and sort of like all gang up on <laughs> what, Barcelona? All star team versus yeah. Barcelona. Not only that, but just like share, you know, share analysis and share secrets to be like oh, well, this is what we did really badly. Don't do that, like, to have the best chance of beating them. Because when Leon's sort of run and dynasty in the Champions League finally came to an end, you know, people were kind of coming up with this hashtag, like, anyone but Leon, because it was kind of boring to mm -hmm. see them win all the time. Do you think they're going to get to that point with Barcelona too? Well, we'd just be like, come on, like, someone um, just tell them how to do it. Probably, but they also play such lovely football that it might not be for a while. I think, though, the likes of, of Leon and stuff, in the past, they were they were the firepower. They were the ones scoring loads of goals. And where you saw them maybe a little bit weaker was in defence. And I think it's not so much about teams coming together. Like, they are beatable, Barcelona. I mean, don't ask me how. But I know they are. Every team is beatable. Um, but I think it's just a case of of having a good tactician, knowing the right, the right setup against them um, and how to play defensively and how to kind of cut out all of that those quick passes. Um, they are beatable. But I guess at the moment, a lot of the teams... Uh, that we're seeing like your Leons maybe haven't worked out that defensive setup yet because maybe they haven't had to do it as much um, in their league so yeah I still think Barcelona are going to win the Champions League um, it could be an interesting game against Real Madrid though so yeah and I think actually I mean Leon have got Juventus in the quarterfinals but I think of all the sides that could beat Barcelona it could be a side like Juventus because they're stubborn, they're well organised, they don't offer a lot going forward, but they set up very well. We saw them just absorb all that pressure against Chelsea. Chelsea struggled that night, they looked exhausted, but at the same time they held strong, conceded a lot of shots and you know could have won it at one point on the break. And I feel like if, if a side like Juventus set up like that against Barcelona, like Arsenal did well in the first sort of 20 minutes or so against Barcelona at home before that really bad mistake at the back 
Like that's the way to do it is go direct, be really boring and route one and stubborn and just pay a, play a territory game. Wasn't it Hoffenheim who was like, or was it Koya? It was like 2-0 or something against Barcelona. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. it is those teams that are, have that experience of having to play that really defensive style of football. And it's not always pretty. Yeah, but exactly. Play it's ugly. a tactic. Yeah, it'll be interesting as well to see because if Arsenal beat Wolfsburg, which I think is probably quite unlikely given how Wolfsburg have played against against Chelsea in the group stages, they would face Barcelona again in the semi-final, which is Gosh, not a good prospect. They'd have nightmares. Jeez. And Juve will play either Bayern or PSG in their semi-final. So... Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very interesting competition. We're not going to get to that stage for a, a few months now, so I'm sure we'll touch on it again at a later time. Um, but if anyone has the state secrets on how to beat Barcelona, please get in touch because we would love to know um, because someone's got to do it. Someone's got to be able to match it. Maybe it is for... Joe Montemiro's Juventus. Maybe it's going to be Wolfsburg if they beat Arsenal. Maybe it's going to be Real Madrid. I mean, they beat Manchester and have been brilliant in the league. But, I mean, in our Classico at the new Camp, it's an exciting prospect. So, we'll wait and see what happens. Continues a run. That's a lovely ball. And the ball across. Still not cleared. Stanway sees the initial attempt blocked. Second time of asking. And there it is. Wow. Coombs goes for the strike. Look at that. Brighton, architects of their own downfall, but what a strike. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Something else that kicked off before Christmas, um, just before Christmas, was was a bit of a weird one, a, a sad one as well. Coventry United... Literally, I think it was like the 23rd of 23rd, December. Yeah. Um, we're all obviously just preparing for Christmas. The WSL and Championship are going into a bit of a Christmas break. And it was revealed that the club were going to be entering into voluntary liquidation halfway through their first season as a fully professional club. Um, players and staff were told they're going to be losing their jobs. And it looked like the team was going to be sort of expunged from the season. Um and then in the 11th hour, just before the deadline uh, on the 4th of January, a new owner has come in. I think it's going to be um, signed off and completed this week. But Lewis Taylor, who is a local businessman based in the Midlands, he is the founder of an energy company or CEO of an energy company based up there. He is coming in to rescue the club. Looks like that's all going to go through, fingers crossed. And... He's going to be taking over so they can carry on existing. The players can come back, um, although it doesn't look like they're going to be given a 10-point deduction, um, which they will gonna, they are going to appeal it, and Taylor thinks they have a good chance at winning that appeal. It means they're on minus four points in the championship. 
They're a fully professional side and at this present moment staring down relegation. Um, and the whole situation is kind of a bit rubbish, to be honest. Um, and just leaves a bit leaves a bit of a nasty taste in your mouth because I think a lot of us were probably surprised when they decided to go fully professional this this season. Um, I mean, Chloe, you would know more than any of us just how perhaps surprising that move was. So then to see all of that unravel and see where they are now and potentially, you know, it's great that they've been rescued, but, you know, at, at what cost, I guess? They were definitely a surprise. I think, you know, at the start of the season, you know, you're expecting certain clubs to be able to go full-time. You expected Charlton, um, you know, some of the bigger names there with the sort of bigger followings and the Premier League backing. But, you know, for a club like Coventry that doesn't have, you know, a big name really, um, you know, when we play games there, they haven't really had that many bums on seats at all. Their social media isn't sort of flying and popping off all the time. And, you know, we were shocked really that they were thinking about going full time because it just seemed like a very premature decision or a time to, to really do that. And I think it was even more shocking when you started to hear sort of rumours about the potential salaries that some of the players in this club were on. And they were you know, salaries at the very top end of, of the championship, you know, really decent salaries that you might even expect in the WSL. So we were thinking, OK, well... They were signing you... big players as well, like Wilkinson, who'd had a brilliant season at Sheffield United. Yeah. Going to Coventry United, I thought that was a really like interesting signing. And you thought, how can they afford her, you know? Well, it was on big money. And I think that that's what was so shocking. And we were thinking, OK, this the investor who's come in now is going to have to absolutely fork out, put their hand in their pocket because, you know, Coventry aren't at a situation where it's just, you know, going to need a little bit of a top up. They're going to have to start from the absolute beginning. So... You know, it's not really surprising that we've reached the situation now that we've got an investor who you know, thought they were going to maybe turn the club around and start producing this really profitable business within six months time. It's just ridiculous. And then you find that the investor isn't getting the return on whatever they put in. And all of a sudden things are going well, things aren't going well and you and you find they pull the plug and that just leaves everyone just sort of scrabbling around, trying to find jobs, trying to figure out what to do next. And it's just it's not sustainable. So it's just I felt so I felt so horrified for those players. I just really felt for them. Yeah, and it's it's great to see that fingers crossed, hopefully the the, the situation's been turned around and they are gonna be able to keep their jobs. I don't know what it means for some of the other staff going forward who are let go, you know, like social media comms, that kind of stuff. I think but... they've kept their jobs. I think from what I've seen on social media, I think they've managed to get their jobs back. Um but I I would agree, it just seemed and I'm, you know, don't know, a big business person or anything, but it just seemed really naive to think you could suddenly go from being semi-pro to professional um, after pandemic. Mm. Like that just seemed... Of all the times to do it. Wouldn't that have raised red flags? Like was mm. there no kind of... And I'm sure risk assessments are done, but surely there needs to be more robust risk assessments so that when a club goes professional in like September and then bust by December... There's something wrong with the business plan there and the business model. The forecasting isn't adding up. No, and they promised them long term. This was a long term commitment. These were long term contracts. They were promising to kind of develop a sustainable model. For me, a sustainable model isn't immediately going, almost immediately going semi pro to professional. Like that's that's not sustainable. Like you haven't doesn't really feel like you've properly gotten your feet under the desk yet. So there needs to be due diligence. Yeah. I think I don't know what the FA are doing in terms. Of, I I I don't know. So I'm not going to sit here and criticize the FA for whatever they do behind the scenes to look at these investments. But I think there almost needs to be a situation that these investors put in this money up front to see you through that season. It can't just be on a week by week or a month by month basis that money is being provided to these clubs. You need to be able to at least sustain that period of a year. Otherwise, players are going to be left in situations where you're out of the job within a couple of days with. A a couple of days notice as well and I think that was the most devastating part of that is that the club would have known what direction they were going in the investors weren't too happy with whatever, whatever was going on and then gave them two days notice it's just just not, before Christmas as well of all the times of year I, I mean I know the 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 FA's licensing criteria is quite strict because lots of clubs have failed to meet it lots of big clubs have failed to meet it because they haven't had the budgets so there are certain things that they have to meet but that's obviously given ahead of time and circumstances can change, especially in the volatile world of the pandemic that we're living at the moment. But there seem, you know, it's, it seems like there's a breakdown in communication somewhere and things were, were unravelling and, and going you know, downhill quite quickly. And it seems like not enough people were sort of brought in, in to potentially rescue it mm -hmm. to stop Early it from enough. getting to this point. Yeah. And, but the other thing I wonder is like, having a 49% ownership stakes in a in a club like maybe I don't I don't know maybe that's not the best way to go because then if that goes bust 
you're pretty screwed. Whereas if you've got, and I know it's not always easy to, to get investment in, but if, if it's spread out across more more companies and you don't own quite such a heavy share, if it does get rocky, it's not going to completely collapse the club. Um, so the fact that they kind of came in and, and bought 49% ownership, that's huge. And it, it, it especially when you're forecasting, like you say, there should be much more upfront um, money, wages, like they, they said, they was became aware of it in November, I think it was. Um, a shout out as well to Catherine Batt from the Daily Mail. She's done some really great um, work on this. And I know Tom Gary from The Telegraph and Emma Sanders from the BBC as well have been doing some stuff on it. And it was hard for journalists because no one was really saying anything. Um, and, all, and all the club, all the, all the staff were essentially sacked. let go. So there's no one to talk to. And I imagine club. a lot of those people had gotten a bit of a break because it was, you know, right before Christmas. So. Yeah. I think um, one of the difficulties, I think, with investing in the championship at this stage is that you really need to be in it for the long haul. It, yes. it needs to be a situation that you don't just invest in the club for the year because realistically, the championship at this level with the the lack of people that we have it coming into the stadiums and the lack of social media, you know, a lot of the games aren't yet being shown live on the FA Play. You might get one a week or whatever it is. You're not going to be making a profit for a long time and that might not be for two, three, four, even five years down the line. So you're going to be investing into a club that is not going to make you money. So I think what you need is this real, you need genuine investors, investors who who actually genuinely care about women's football to be investing. Because if you're thinking about just making a quick buck, it won't be happening in the championship. I think there's also an important balance to be struck between ambition and reality. It's great to be ambitious and Coventry United were, they were hiring PR agencies to support, you know, getting press stuff out there, setting up interviews with players. They, you know, had radio coverage, exclusive radio coverage of their games that not many teams in the championship were getting. So the ambition was great, but the reality is sometimes you can't buy that stuff if you don't have the budget to back it up. Yeah, and as Jay Bradford said, like... (laughs) There feels like there were other ways of going about this. Like, why didn't, as she said, why didn't they sit everyone down and say, look, we're going to go back to semi-pro for six months or we're going to go back to semi-pro for the rest of the season, whatever that might be. It's just without that transparency, it's hard to know how you've gone from let's go professional to let's shut down the club in less than half a year. And you've got to, you've got to make smart business decisions. Like you said, we'd all love every single game in the championship to be streamed, but that costs a lot of money and so the reality is well we can only you know the FA can only afford to stream one a week or you can get highlights of all the games and you know it, it's, it's, it's really hard to do it all and I think like you said it, it, it requires patience but for me the fear might be that what this proves is that you cannot succeed unless you have a big men's club not only the finance but the brand or whatever backing you and this is just a sign of that clubs that try and do it differently I mean Durham have been doing great but Lewis. yeah I mean they I suppose they're, they're joined to a men's side but it's not it's not traditionally big men's yeah. side um, it, it, it almost feels like it's an example of why these great independent projects people look at that and say well another example of you can't do it unless you're linked to a men's team well but you also sometimes see it when teams are linked to a men's team, the first thing to go for the business, if the business starts to struggle, is the women's team. And Mm. it's obviously what happened here with these investors. Business struggles, drop the women's team. Sometimes still happens in the men's, with men's teams involved in women's football. Team is struggling, drop the women's team. So yes, it has its benefits, but only if the men's club is super rich. I think you're definitely at an advantage if you've got the backing of a Premier League club. Because I think, you know, when you look at the kind of resources, the wealth of the Premier League have, um, you know, and the sort of, the propensity, the drive towards and getting their women's team sorted. I mean, the, the resources, the facilities, the doctors, the staff, the social media, the fitness, the strength and conditioning, the diet, the, the food that you provide, all those things cost a substantial amount of money. And I don't think without having that backing, really, unless you've got a massive genuine investor who's happy to probably take a loss for a few years, you, you I think it's going to be very difficult to succeed. And I think, you know, when you start to look at the kind of names now in the WSL, the ones that are struggling are the Birmingham's. The ones that are sort of making it in the championship are the Liverpool's. So I think that is naturally where the leagues are going to go, that you're going to start to find the big Premier League men's equivalent in, in the WSL. Um, I wish Lewis Taylor lots of luck. Seems like a great guy. Um, and I think he's in it for the right reasons. He's not a, a completely random person. He, he's already had work and, and supported clubs in the Midlands, shirt sponsor for Wolves Women. I think he talked about... Um, 
some other stuff he's done in in football in that part of the world. So, yeah, I I hope I hope it it works out for him and the club as well. And you know, everyone knows that running a football club is not cheap. So he he himself has taken a massive risk by doing this. And you just hope that it it you know they get enough backing, enough sponsorship, whatever it may be, to sustain their their big ambitious project. Because he said himself that he wants the club to be in the WSL, and that's the ambition. Um, so you know, we hope that that they they take the right amount of time to get there. Well, I also hope that they actually will the FA give them their points back because at this rate, if they don't, they're going to be ended up in the national league, and I don't I don't know how that's going to. I, I'm 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 very hopeful that their appeal has legs, so we shall we shall wait and see. But I I think I think they'll be able to get some points back. My biggest issue them, is the but, amount of points. Yeah. because if it's the same, I'm pretty sure it's the same in in the men's league. If something either like happened, you'd be deducted ten points, and they play what. 38 games how is how is that equivalent to you know two thirds of that, those games are played in the in the women's league but the points deduction is the same so it's not for me the right equivalent I think you're right I'm not sure they'll get all the points back but I just think that the 10 points just seems massive but yeah. I think it's just such a weird clause because it's like the force majeure clause which means that they can only get those points back if there's some kind of a natural disaster that takes place and unless Coventry can COVID? prove potentially <laughs> maybe yeah you're the you're the lawyer, so I mean, I won't yeah, we'll too... we'll let you build a case on that. But I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that they they complete their case. Um, let's touch on some more positive news. Um, just for Christmas as well, it was announced that Barclays have agreed a new three year deal with the WSL, um, and the Premier League, which includes sponsorship of the Women's Championship for the first time, title sponsorship as well. They're going to be staying on as the official banking partner, I think, of the Premier League. Um, a lot of the deal includes massive grassroots football programs which they've done before they still have their girls football campaign in England which they do with schools trying to get every girl in England the the ability to play football at school which is massive um but this one also did up the value of the sponsorship deal in itself which is huge for women's sport because not a lot of women's sport really does get a lot of rights fees to put it bluntly actually gets cash for it a lot of it is tied up in marketing spend and other things it's actually really hard to demand you know a check and some money that goes right into the pocket of the league so this is massive um but focusing on the championship as well because it's getting a title sponsor for the first time I mean what do you think the difference could be for you as a championship player and this deal I think it could be massive. I think, you know, obviously we just touched on how Coventry have been. And I think, you know, some of that money is going to filter down to the individual clubs. And I think one of the focuses for us, I think, has definitely got to be the standard of referees and also the standard of the pitches as well. Um, you know, I don't want to touch on what happened this weekend at Sunderland. Um, well, how long, how long was that trip? That no, Just a mere seven and a half hours. Where, um, where are you next week? Uh, we're actually in Durham. Yeah, just down the road. Interesting. <sighs> Scheduling leaves a lot to be desired. Thank you, FA. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, when you look at the sound of some of the pitches uh, and also the quality of the referee, and I think that's definitely going to be a focus for for the championship. And also, I think, having more games streamed live because I think that exposure um, will also help. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see where, where some of that um, financing goes because we know that with the TV rights deal, the FA have been quite transparent about the the way that the, the revenue is going to be split between the two leagues. So it'd be interesting to know what happens here. Um, I mean, anything you're looking forward to about this new deal, Rachel? Well, I know we touched on on the Coventry issue and how that might impact future investment. Um, but being a title sponsor of the championship could actually attract more investment, you know, giving it even more, validity is the wrong word, but, you know, making it an even more attractive investment to invest in clubs in the championship. So hopefully... Well, it I'd gives like a professional aura to yeah. what is a semi-professional league and yeah. that's really important to ensure the strength of the whole pyramid. Yeah, so uh, hopefully it leads to more investment for clubs um, and more solidity, I guess, at some of these clubs. Yeah, and I think I think it definitely will. Um, looking ahead to this weekend as well, I'm going to be at Boreham Wood for Arsenal Reading. You're going to be in back sunny in Durham, <laughs> back back in the north that you love so well, and hopefully the game will be on. Thank you for that. If everyone could just keep their fingers crossed, that would be yeah. great. And no dodgy 11th hour pitch inspections. Um, where are you going to be, Rachel? I'm at Man United on Saturday and Sophie's at Everton. And then I'm... De- no, Sophie's at Aston Villa. And then she's at Everton the next day and I'm at Leicester. Nice. A little little round trip. Double, little, double. Yeah, get clocking up the mileage. Um, well, yeah, that's it for today's episode of Upfront. Our first episode back 
in the new year in 2022 um if you've got any questions for us or if you've got the cheat codes for beating barcelona please tweet us at football ramble at floyd tweet at girls on the ball for rachel or at morgie underscore 89 we will see you all next week Football Ramble Presents is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.